Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network happy wednesday everybody i am happy to be stopping in with you today and i'm so thankful for everyone who is continuing to show their avid support of the podcast as we make this transition continue to download those episodes you don't even have to listen to old episodes just as you're listening Download as many as you can, 5, 10, 20, 60, 600. As many as you can helps to support our dreams and our work that is continually going thanks to the good people over at Believe. We've got a fun show today with our friend NFL broadcaster who is now transitioned to Pfeiffer Sports. Well, Pfeiffer Football, really, but he does other sports besides just football, but you guys know him as NFL broadcaster who is a legitimate newsbreaker, legit newsbreaker with the help of NFL Rumors on Twitter. Um, you guys can check him out as well over on the Instagram at Pfeiffer Football. Link to that is in the description to this episode. Uh, we will catch up with him in a little bit because it's been a minute. And uh, I always love talking to our buddy Tanner here on the podcast. But first, before we get into some NFL preseason talk, Let's talk about Joel, the process, Embiid, because Joel Embiid signed his Supermax extension yesterday, really happened while we were releasing Tuesday's episode of the podcast, so this is slowly but steadily becoming old news, but Joel Embiid signed the four-year Supermax extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. And this really came out of nowhere, and it was very surprising because, first and foremost, Joel Embiid still had two years left on his contract before hitting free agency. And second of all, because Ben Simmons is still on the roster, and if he wanted to leverage his ability to get a star other than Ben Simmons out of Daryl Morey, then potentially that contract situation hanging over the 76ers was a bargaining chip. But we'll get to the Ben Simmons side second. But let's start off with the contract extension um, added on to make him now a Sixer for six years. Joel Embiid is, without question, one of the secondary faces of the Giannis generation. In fact, I'd argue the second face of the Giannis generation um, with Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic right up there with him. I would argue that Joel Embiid is one of the MVP favorites over the next coming se- next couple coming seasons. And as he enters his physical prime, Joel Embiid will become a player that I firmly believe can be the best player on a championship team and will continue to contend with the Milwaukee Bucks and whatever is left of the Brooklyn Nets super team 
as one of the four dominant powers in the NBA. The prime window for NBA players is between 27 and 31, and Joel Embiid turned 27 last year, and lo and behold, in his age 26 to 27 season, Joel Embiid finished second in the MVP race last year. So all of a sudden you start to see this secondary face of a generation. His generation, shall we say, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, whatever the comparisons may be generation to generation, Joel Embiid is that as a secondary star behind Giannis. And I thought that Giannis would leverage his free agency to potentially switch teams. And I thought that Joel Embiid might do the same, even if his free agency would be delayed by a couple of years because of his long-term Supermax extension and being drafted a year later than Giannis Antetokounmpo and signing the five-year contract after he uh, had those 31 games where he almost won Rookie of the Year and got the big Supermax from the Sixers because, of course, the Sixers were going to extend Joel Embiid. And... I thought he would leverage the situation as well. And this is kind of a changing time because we come from the past two generations where the faces of the generation, LeBron James and Kevin Durant, did end up switching teams. And this is forcing me, so so on and so forth, to kind of recalculate and recalibrate the superstars staying or leaving the situations that they're already in. Because... Yeah, Joel Embiid never showed signs of a willingness to leave, but you still would have thought that years out from that free agency, he might leverage the situation a little bit on Philadelphia if it meant he didn't want to play with Ben Simmons. And this brings us to an interesting secondary point here, that Ben Simmons was not going to ever be traded for anything less than a bona fide star. Like, current bona fide star. James Harden was in talks, but Brooklyn had a stronger offer, or at least an offer that more enticed the Rockets than getting Ben Simmons. And Portland is not ready to move Damian Lillard, but that's obviously a player that the Sixers aggressively would take the second that the Portland Trailblazers made him available, and also might be able to put together the best offer because of that Ben Simmons trade chip, who is, at 24 years old, one of the 15 to 20 best players in the NBA one of the two or three best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And we talked about this with Jalen Brown trades and why it is that you hang on to these young stars is because 24-year-old all-stars don't grow on trees. They just don't grow on trees. So you can't just trade them for pennies on the dollar, even if their value's at their lowest. I fully expect that Ben Simmons will be the starting point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers next year. And for better or for worse, that's the tandem that they're going to stick together until they can get a better offer for Ben Simmons. And Joel Embiid, if he was ridiculously unhappy playing alongside Ben Simmons, which the only close indication that we had to that was when we laughed at Embiid um, and Doc Rivers kind of throwing Ben Simmons under the bus after they blew their 1 in 778 chance against the Atlanta Hawks in the second round with a team that had the best record in the Eastern Conference last year and Joel Embiid finishing second in the MVP. That was the closest indication that we got to dissatisfaction with Ben Simmons that would lead to an inevitable breakup 
fully acknowledging that we don't know enough information to actually analyze this stuff. Like, we just aren't smart enough and not in tune enough and don't know these people enough to know exactly what their situations are. But now when you look at the faces of this new generation who maybe are switching teams as much as we anticipated because Anthony Davis obviously changed a balance of power in the NBA and when joining up with LeBron James won a championship in 2020 with this weird combination between the old mercenary who somehow stays young in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, one of the faces, not the face, but one of the faces of this youth generation that is now entering their prime, and as Giannis Antetokounmpo probably established last June, taking the mantle from Kevin Durant and from Steph Curry's generation, which preceded them, with, you know, secondary stars like Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, like future Hall of Famers and MVPs within a generation. And Jokic is in that group, but I, f- I kind of expect Jokic will stay in Denver. Uh, he's got like three years left on his contract, I think. And Giannis looks to be st- staying in Milwaukee for the long run, and Joel Embiid wants to stay in Philadelphia. And this is a way to loop all of this together, but something I found interesting is that there are such few places to go to now in the NBA. Like when LeBron James and Kevin Durant and all of these players who are stars of their generation were trying to figure out what did they want? Who were they and what did they want from their careers? Well, there was a moment in time where everyone said, well, there's big markets that everyone wants to attract to. Los Angeles being the first and foremost version of that. The Bay Area being a viable destination now that the Warriors landed a generational superstar for the first time since, like, Rick Barry in the 1970s. New York being a place everyone wants to go. Miami being a place everyone wants to go. Chicago, potentially, but Chicago's been irrelevant for a while. These are the big markets that everyone apparently wanted to go to when, you know, James Harden was dominating in Houston and then forcing a trade with Russell Westbrook. And then, you know, obviously Anthony Davis wanting to go to Los Angeles and Kawhi Leonard leaving Toronto to go home to Los Angeles and Paul George wanting to go to Los Angeles and LeBron James wanting to go to Los Angeles and Kevin Durant wanting to go to Brooklyn. And now all these big markets are filled. All these places that we had previously said, these are the attractions for every single team or every single star who wants to, you know, live in the big city and be bigger than basketball. All these places are filled. The Lakers have their two stars, and now three with Russell Westbrook. And no available cap space other than those guys. The Clippers have two max contracts with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And if they wanted to go big game hunting... They'd really have to move some stuff around to make it happen. The Miami Heat committed to Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And the Brooklyn Nets have now got their three superstars who all wanted to come to New York and play together. And sure, the Knicks could hold out hope, but there has to be a semblance of competence. And to be honest, no stars really ever were talking about going to the Knicks. 
like we kind of pinned them down in a certain place. But then you look at Giannis and Embiid, and yes, teams would move mountains to make those players, uh, to accommodate those players. But if they wanted to make it easy on themselves and force a trade to one of these places, well, now the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nets, they've already gone all in on other stars. Stars who are in their primes or exiting their primes, but they did go all in on these stars. And so the traditional places that everyone would want to go aren't necessarily there anymore, or at least viable options. And so for Giannis staying in Milwaukee and Joel Embiid staying in Philadelphia, which, by the way, Philadelphia is a larger city with historical precedent, and I'm sure Joel Embiid, who is the king of that city, very much enjoys being there. But from a pure basketball standpoint, or the traditional way that we think about it, like where was Joel Embiid going to force his way to? What team was he going to build if he was upset with Maury about Ben Simmons? This is the classic case of people coming to Milwaukee or coming to Philadelphia to play with these two faces of their generation. Maybe they'll come, maybe they won't. But I think part of the reason that we're seeing a decline in like major power-shifting moves in the NBA over the last two off-seasons, and James Harden ended up being the, the one exception that came later in the middle of the season, is because we're just running out of places that might seem desirable for these players to upend and leave already pretty good situations to go somewhere else. And we'll see what Jokic ends up doing. We'll see what Devin Booker ends up doing over the next few years because they're the next faces of their generations to switch teams. Donovan Mitchell is another one, but what are Donovan Mitchell's options? Going to New Orleans and that terrible basketball franchise? Hoping Oklahoma City turns it around? Like, the, the options are changing right in front of us. And Donovan Mitchell's looking at the landscape and wondering if he's going to be one who's left out. Or Joel Embiid decides, it doesn't get any better than this. I can tell with pretty good certainty the grass is not greener on the other side of the field. And maybe more stars are looking at this. Because if you wanted to be a star in Los Angeles, sorry, they already got their stars. If you wanted to be a star in New York, they've already got their stars. And nobody wants to go to the Knicks. If you want to be a star in Miami, they'll make room for you if you want to go to Miami, play with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and run wind sprints at practices. <laughs> so maybe those places might accommodate, but you look around and it's like these spots have already been taken up. And so Joel Embiid surprised me by re-upping for another four years in Philadelphia. All righty, let us commence with a conversation with our friend NFL broadcaster who you can check out on Twitter and Instagram at Pfeiffer Football. Follow Pfeiffer Football, but you guys have gotten to know him as NFL broadcaster. Slowly but steadily, we'll bridge that gap and just start calling him Pfeiffer Football altogether. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. What is up, everybody? This is Kyle, and before we move on here, I'd like to tell you about a giveaway that is going on right now. If you guys head over to check out my buddy WFT on the Daily over on Instagram, he is giving away a huge Washington football team prize pack right now. 
you can win a t-shirt, a bracelet, and a Chase Young rookie card right now. Head on over to WFT on the Daily on Instagram. Use the link in the description to this episode. Find his most recent post and enter that giveaway. You guys definitely want the chance to win this gift bag. And all you got to do is follow my man WFT on the Daily on Instagram right now and enter the giveaway. Usually I just have everything running just to make sure that uh, I don't forget <laughs> later. But one of the things that happens in Northern California is that sporting events start like three hours earlier. So like you yeah. know, on football Sunday, it's like 10 o'clock, one o'clock window, and then a 520 game. So you're done at like 830 most nights. I mean, unless you have a game that starts at like seven o'clock local time, then everything's pretty much done at 830 for sports. Yeah, like uh, I think uh, like Sunday night football, Monday night football, stuff like that. It usually doesn't start till it's like 725 here. Yep. So and then, you know, that like two and a half, three hours, so it could be 10 o'clock before it's done. Mm hmm. Absolutely. That's the the beauty of being on the West Coast and why some people just move back just for the sports purposes. They just stay out on the West Coast only for getting sports games that start at 10 or 1 or in the case of those few London games a year, the 6.30 a.m. start times. Yeah. Which I'll I'll never forget. One of the funniest things that happened was during that magical year of Jameis Winston, where he had like 30 interceptions and was just making content after content. I woke up to a London game and he had already thrown a pick six and it was like five minutes into the game and he had already (laughs) thrown a pick six. That's not surprising, is it? No, but it was just excellent. It was perfect for someone who traffics in sports humor and sarcasm. That is just excellent that it's seven in the morning and Jameis has already thrown a pick six. We already know that this day is, this is going to be a good day then. Well, how do you, speaking of Jameis, how do you think he's going to do with the Saints? Well, Sean Payton really wants to make this happen, doesn't he? He wants to make this Taysom Hill thing happen, right? It seems to be the common theme, but didn't they have like six turnovers in the first preseason game or something that doesn't matter, but it, I don't it's all know. Of, did they, I, I can't remember <laughs> if it was six or if it was six turnovers, but not all of them were interceptions, but Taysom and Jameis both had a bunch of turnovers and they got slaughtered by the Ravens and it was not a, it was not a good site for uh, our buddy, Sean Payton afterwards like he didn't even pretend like this is normal like he was pissed after the game and of course it's all of your worst fears coming to life if at least if you're a Saints fan I'm not surprised that they throw interceptions I mean I don't think that I don't think that Taysom Hill's a QB1 I'd rather play Jameis than I would Taysom Hill at quarterback oh I agree uh, is there anyone who's like aggressively out here saying like Taysom Hill is a legitimate, like even not just a QB one. Cause we know that there's technically 32 QB ones, but there's only like 23 good quarterbacks in the NFL. 
Like, yeah. I don't know if anyone's aggressively out here. Like Taysom can be better than like Derek Carr or something like that. I don't think there's. I very think Sean Payton thinks so. Even Sean Payton, so. even Sean Payton runs a bunch of gadget plays, right? Like he, even those yeah. games that Taysom started were kind of weird, where he threw. Let me pull up the stats real quick. It's like wildcat formation plays. I mean, it's just like, it's just like he doesn't, you know, run it a normal uh, offense when Taysom's starting. I feel yeah. like it's, it's like gadget plays. It's 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 weird. Yeah, and the the one part was when he got to actually play. And just, damn, do they not even have his passing stats here? Um, they, no, here's passing. So. He ends up with a 72% completion percentage in his four in his four starts. He had 928 yards, four touchdowns, the two picks, and his yards per completion was about 10.5. So not great, but not terrible either. Kind of about average. Yeah, that actually ain't bad, but I mean. I, I don't think like sometimes though you look at stats and it just doesn't show what you see in person. If that makes any sense. Well, I remember for context, one of the Taysom games was when Kendall Hinton started for the Broncos, which could have just been a forfeit. <laughs> they played yeah. the game, but could that have been. Guy. Yeah, no, that was, that was unfortunate, but the Broncos season kind of didn't matter, but anyways, they, so that was one of the games Taysom started another one. They got smacked by Jalen hurts. That was the one loss was when they got smacked by Jalen hurts. And there was one where he, do you remember when he tried to throw like a 50 yard bomb and like under through Emmanuel Sanders by like 10 yards, but Emmanuel Sanders still caught the ball coming back to it. This is a very niche play from last year, but um, on the Bronx, I mean, uh, on the Saints. Yeah, I can't remember which game it was. It was it was one of the first two. It was in the Superdome, and there was like a massive underthrow that Taysom Hill had that still ended up getting caught because someone was able to track it in the air. Which also, the only reason I bring it up is because that messes with your passing stats. If you have a terrible fifty-yard pass that the receiver saved your ass on, it messes with right. Your yeah, that, yardage that, that cushions it. Yeah, that'll that cushions it. So the stats are a little misleading with Taysom. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, if you like look at the play instead of just the stats, it's a different story. And I don't, I still don't feel like Taysom's a just like what you read to me from the stats. That's so much better than uh, I think he plays at QB one. Yeah, I. But Jameis is still better. We all, like we at least think Jameis can be a fringe starter in the NFL. Like he's either your best backup or he's a low end starter. Like Teddy Bridgewater well, dude passes for like five thousand yards every season. So I mean that's pretty impressive. But we know that five thousand passing yards in the modern NFL is different. Like Jameis led the league in touchdowns and yards in twenty nineteen and no one wanted him just because he made way too many mistakes. Well, didn't he go like 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions? Yeah. And then didn't get a starting job in the NFL after that season. So it's kind of the change in the modern NFL, right? Like Jameis is one of the last quarterbacks of the 
previous era where, yeah, you're going to throw 30 touchdowns, but you might throw 20 interceptions. Now, if you're going to throw 30 touchdowns, it's super important that you also throw 10 interceptions or in the case of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, like five interceptions a season. Yeah, I think that I don't know. Jameis is weird. Okay, I just like I just don't know because you know you're gonna get like thirty touchdowns, five thousand yards, but the the thirty interception thing. Do you really think that he's worked on that? Like, didn't he say he had a like a vision surgery on his eyes, and you know he's in a different system, everything. So like, but do you really think that his interception rate's gonna go down? Yes. But is it enough to make a difference? Like, yes, he's not going to have 30 interceptions next year. I don't even think he'll have 20. Part of that is he might not get enough games started to get to 20. Yeah. But I don't think he'll even throw 20 next year. The the part that is different is that Jameis is also going to get neutered neutered in the offense a bit. It's not going to be a 5,000-yard passing season. It's probably going to be closer to like 3,700 and Realistically, yeah. 24 touchdowns, maybe. Maybe he's in the top 20 in touchdowns. I think that's the best the Saints can hope for. Well, besides, who do they have now at wide receiver besides Michael Thomas? See, this is the part that I've been laughing about for the Saints for the past couple weeks or so, is that last year was like their last dance where they put everything they had into that one season and then they had to kind of adjust the salary cap and get Drew Brees obviously had to retire. And uh-huh. they, they moved everything, put all the eggs in last year's basket. Now they come back this year with like a team that's kind of like the Rams last year where it's built on like six superstars and that's about it. The rest of the roster is kind of like average or people that you're hoping might break out. And that's big part of that's wide receiver position is the perfect example. Cause you have Michael Thomas third highest paid receiver in the NFL. And after that, it's a lot of uh, Marquez Calloway's and Traquan Smith and uh, Adam Shaheen. And I'm guessing Josh Hill is still hanging around there somewhere. Cause Josh Hill is always hanging around the saints practices, even though I never see him on the field. He's just always there. Um, it's, it's not great. For the he's a season. he's a tight end, isn't he, Josh Hill? Yeah, Josh Hill's a tight end who is going to catch uh, maybe one or two touchdowns every year. Walk away with you know two hundred yards, give you some blocks. I yeah, he might not even be on the Saints anymore, but I just feel like he's always he's like um, Sharkandrick West. Do you remember Sharkandrick West? Yeah, he's a running back for the Chiefs, and Chiefs. he would every year he just. I'm here if you need me. He just sit in the stands at practice, just like, hey, whenever running back gets hurt, here I am. Just yeah, I remember uh, with West. I think he was like cut one time, or like finally just didn't make the 53 man. You know, was on a different team. He got released, and then like the Chiefs just resigned him. Chiefs <laughs> like did old, it twice. They did it. Yeah, they did it reliable. once. Once with injury and once with when Kareem Hunt got cut, they yeah. just signed Sharkandrick West. Just like, all right, I didn't even know he was still practicing, but knows the system. He's an Andy Reid guy. Let's just plug him in. Yeah, he's like old reliable for him. 
Yeah, I assume Damian Williams is like the new Sharkandrick West now because uh, is Damian Williams still on the Chiefs? Or he's on another team now. Yeah, he's on the Bears. So I oh, imagine, is he really? Yeah, Damian Williams is uh, like the fourth string running back on the Bears. Yeah. It's weird. I'm used to seeing him on the Chiefs. Yeah. I don't even know who else the Chiefs have now other than uh, just Clyde Edwards Elaire being the, the they focal have point. Uh, they have uh, who did they sign? Oh gosh. So I think last year, didn't they have Le- Le'Veon Bell? They had Le'Veon Bell. I know the year right. before that they had LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's, that's, but I think they signed somebody this off season. Uh, I'm sure that. they did. Cause they, you know, Clyde Edwards Elaire is not looking great so far. Uh, they have, well, they still have Daryl Williams. Um, they have, oh, Jerick McKinnon. Jerick McKinnon. McKinnon, yep, yep, yep. I knew it was like a, a little bit bigger of a name. Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, Jerick McKinnon at one point was the highest paid or second highest paid running back in the NFL. So, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. He, he collected, I think, $18 million without playing a game for the 49ers because he tore his Achilles and then tore his ACL in back-to-back seasons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He just can't stay healthy. I mean, last I remember, year he kind of uh, did. He had a 100-yard game mixed in there last year. Yeah, he did. With the 49ers, right? Yes, he's one of the six 49ers running backs that's had a 100-yard mm-hmm. rushing game in the last two years. That's why I don't trust their backfield because, like, Every 49ers running back is injured all the time. Uh, so they Alan just have, Hearns syndrome. It's just yeah. always hurt. <laughs> so they just like have someone else step up and then there you go. Like they're just as good as a starting running back. And so I don't like as a fantasy standpoint, I try to stay away. Yeah, Even I made though, the like, mistake of getting Raheem Mostert last year on my fantasy team. And then Oh yeah, I'm not drafting him this year. I'm staying away. I mean, yeah. I might get Trey Sermon as uh, some depth, but like, I don't even know if he'd be healthy because like that's they just get hurt. Yeah, it's, then then you get to week fourteen and it's just Jeff Wilson. It's always Jeff Wilson pulling up to go for yeah, hundred fifty yards. That's the other guy. I mean, he's just as good as a starting running back. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just hard to to draft. <laughs> well, the 49ers have an interesting case now with Jimmy Garoppolo because. So what are your thoughts on who starts week one for the Niners? You're connected, but also have opinions. So what do you think about the 49ers situation? It's going to be Jimmy G. It I is. Mean, yeah. I mean, listen, so like to start to be named a starter, you just got to take the first snap of a game, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Jimmy G is probably just going to start the first game. And if things don't go well. Okay, so let me ask you this. Who starts week two for the 49ers then? Uh, great question. So, I don't know. I think it depends on how the rest of this preseason goes. But uh, I still see Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Just, that's, just how, that's just how it's going to work, I think. I mean... Why, why wouldn't he? Because I mean, it like, looks I like it. Trey like, Lance theoretically could be better than him right now. And I you- get it. I get it. But like they've already 
told, they've already said Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter, right? Um, they're just, I mean, to stick to their word, they're going to do that. Is, isn't one of the, oh no, that was Justin Fields. Justin Fields is going to take first team reps this week, but it ends up leading to some laughably bad situations because of this weird idea of the rookie quarterback can't start the first game where all of a sudden you have the Texans starting TJ Yates over Deshaun Watson and you have Nathan Peterman starting over Josh Allen. But I, I think that because I think Trey Lance and Justin Fields are both NFL caliber quarterbacks, they should both start week one. But if the 49ers do want to keep Garoppolo around, maybe you do let him start a bit. I wonder if Jimmy asks like, Hey, could I go to a contender at the trade deadline or something with one year? Right. Yeah. Contract? I mean, that's the thing is like, you got to look at the, the situation for those, those quarterbacks, like Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he says he has a good relationship with Trey and he's there to help Trey and all that. But at the same time, he's a competitor. He wants to sp- he wants to be a starting quarterback. I mean, that's just the the football player inside of you. Well, and um, knowing that he's still good enough to, if you think so, I <laughs> I don't really? like Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, like he's kind of your, your game managing quarterback. Um, I'm not really high on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's got great leadership for sure, uh, but I'm just not like. I mean, I'd rather stick Trey Lance out there than Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah, I would, but, too. But that's why they gave up three first round picks to go get him is for him to immediately have an impact and to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. That being said, you know, they've already said that he was going to be the starter. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. But like I said, you know, he's just got to take the first snap. I don't, it's so hard. It's so hard. But I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter just because, like, why not? I mean, you've got – why not see how the first game goes, see if you can get a win. You know, if they get a win, they're probably going to stick with Jimmy G until – What if they, they lose to – I don't know who they play the first week, but what if they lose? Oh, I don't know either. Um, that's a good question. Because then all but of a sudden I, you're already digging yourself a little bit of a hole. Yeah, if they lose, I still think they start Jimmy G's second game. and then no, they they're might fine. Switch. They got the Lions in the first game. They're fine. <laughs> okay, I think, like, when they do decide to mix in uh, Trey Lance, they're going to go drive by drive, you know? <sighs> I don't like that strategy, but I think you might be right. I don't either, but they're going to see if putting in Trey Lance creates that spark. So here's where the 49ers schedule gets a little wacky here. So first game at Detroit. Okay. That's, you know, they'll be okay. Second game at Philadelphia, probably be okay. That's a win. Third game, Sunday night football versus the Green Bay Packers. Week after that at home against the Seahawks. Week after that, road against the Arizona Cardinals. So I feel like if mm. if Garoppolo's gonna play, it's probably gonna be those first five games. Or in one of those games, Trey Lance comes in. Or they make the switch before the Packers game. That would be my bet. It it feels like those Packers Seahawks games, whoever's the starter is gonna start both of those games without much question. So 
if they do make the switch, it's probably going to be after Seattle or before Green Bay. Yeah, but like, imagine your rookie going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I mean, imagine you have an RG3 moment where he has like 35 points and they win against the Packers. That'd be pretty cool. I don't see it happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, if they run the ball, if they run the ball, I think they will. Because, I mean, it's just typical Packers. Um, <laughs> the Packers can't stop the run for shit still. That was their whole problem last year. I don't know if they can. That's their problem for the last 20 years, man. That's why they don't have more rings. <laughs> Poor, uh, is uh, it is it that or is it that there's just been mismanagement across the board from the organization? There, no, it, it's a mixture of things, dude. The oh god, don't even get me started. That's a totally different. That's a whole nother episode, man. <laughs> oh yeah, Green Bay Packers stuff. I mean, it's not really that exciting anymore. It's just going to be a last dance team unless we have. Uh, unless we have some sort of massive revelation come in, they're not actually that interesting anymore. They're just a really yeah. talented team. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a, we just, it's one of those, you just got to wait and see. Yes. In a division, we're almost certain they're probably going to win. I mean, maybe, maybe the Vikings win both games against the Packers and make it interesting, but on paper, it feels like the Packers are like two or three games better than the Vikings. I think so. Yeah. Not an indictment of the Vikings, though. I think they're going to be much better this year than they were last year, which by the standards of Kirk Cousins, I guess just means they're going to win 10 games. But I think they'll be a little bit better. Well, weren't they bet? Weren't the Vikings better when they had a. Oh, what's his name? He was like a backup quarterback. Oh, you mean the, the magical Case Keenum season? Case Keenum. Yeah. I mean, they did pretty good with Case Keenum. Yes, but the reason for that was because they had the number two defense in the NFL that year. And Kirk Cousins has had, I think, number eight was the best defense they had. And it was the year that they uh, the year they beat the Saints in the playoffs and lost to the 49ers. I think that was what 2019. So the, the beauty of that was that they had the best defense in the NFL the year that Case Keenum was the starter. That's true. And yeah and then a <laughs> minnesota miracle mixed in there <laughs> yeah that was pretty cool against the saints right yeah that was that was dope and then they i think they lost by like 45 the next week to the they to did eagles. they did to the freaking eagles man yeah i mean that eagles team was the only team that had a better defense than the, or no the patriots had the best defense in the nfl but those were the the teams that had the best defenses and then the eagles had i think probably the greatest o-line ever when you talk about lane johnson brandon brooks jason peters jason kelsey it's like two or three hall of famers with four all pro players on that offensive line yeah they were just hot that year that's for sure i mean that was a fluke of the year it yeah it really was i knew and it was then, gonna be as soon as you took away the offensive line, the Nick Foles didn't have much left in the tank. I'll never forget that was the, the next year they made a playoff run with Nick Foles. And they, they were playing the Saints and they were up like 14 nothing. And then Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey both got hurt 
And like the game just switched like that. Like all of a sudden Foles couldn't throw anything. He had no time to hit his routes and the Saints scored like 17 points. And then it ended with that pass that went through Alshon Jeffrey's hands and got yeah. intercepted. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was just Man. that was just the, the the moment I learned that Foles magic is just having a good offensive line to buy yourself time. That's what the magic was. That whole year was just a fluke, though. I mean, I, everyone was like, "Oh, the Eagles are the next franchise," you know, like the next uh, the next reign, like the like the, the next Patriots, dynasty you know? in football. Yeah, the next yeah. dynasty. And I was like, I just everyone that said that or was commenting that I was like, you guys are so dumb. Like that's, there's no way they were going to repeat. I knew they weren't going to. They almost didn't make the playoffs. It took like winning the last three games of the season and Kirk cousins choking a game to the bears (laughs) to get in. It was a, it was a game where uh, I forgot who they were playing. Oh, they played the Falcons in the wild or no, they played the bears in the wild card that year. That was the year that, um, the what's it called the Cody Parkey game was the, the double doink. yeah that was the year after the uh after the Super Bowl and they were like a six seed like the Bears were the three seed who won the NFC North that year they were like a six seed and they oh, just gosh. snuck into the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl Oh, man, uh, Jaguars just released Tim Tebow. <laughs> oh, breaking news here on the podcast, even though this isn't going to be released for another 24 hours. We still have breaking news here. <laughs> release. Uh, I would have thought they would have let him stay all the way through camp. I thought I thought they would have stuck with it all the way to the end. I didn't nah, think I'm not really it. surprised. Like, you do think, though, with like Tim Tebow, they got to they gotta give him a chance. Um, I thought it was just but, a locker room guy. I thought it was just like Urban Meyer trying to get a culture guy in there. Or someone who's at least bought into the Urban Meyer whatever. In I think the it was. But um, he's just... <sighs> it, it just was, right? I mean, but, yeah, I mean, he's not good. That's kind of the, the thing we kind of all knew. By the way, for people tuning in, this man is breaking news live on the air with us as uh, Pfeiffer Sports or Pfeiffer Football. You can check out on Instagram because this dude's actually like a legitimate newsbreaker with NFL rumors, breaking news such as that Joe Burrow will not play in the second preseason game, uh, which is good, I guess. But he's still breaking the news. Yeah, I had that one actually uh, pretty early. Um, I had that before one of the Bengals, one of the main Bengals guys on Twitter. Uh, I forget his name. His like tag is like baby something though. But yeah, Jaguars released Tim Tebow. Uh, I'm not surprised there. That's just because, uh, you know, as an experiment, they tried him. Here's the thing. You think of Tim Tebow in baseball, you know, he never made it to the majors. Never made it to the big game in baseball, so I think that kind of gave a little wiggle room. Like, well, I mean, that you don't have to necessarily have him in the big game in football either. Well, like, yeah, I mean, we don't have to entertain this Tebow thing like it was actually serious. Like the whole thing was just very dumb. Uh, the 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 whole last two months of covering Tim Tebow was rather dumb. Yeah, 
Alfred Morris just released by the Giants as well. Man, <sighs> I feel like we're about to have a lot of cuts here. Oh, because it's the first preseason game. That makes, I guess it makes some sense, but that's too bad. Alfred Morris, uh, I love doing the little like home run thing that Alfred Morris has every time he scores. And yeah, him and Colt McCoy went into Seattle and beat the Seahawks last year. I'll never forget that one for as long as Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris shall remain in the NFL that they, for some reason, went into Seattle, which used to be just a totally unbeatable place and beat the Seahawks. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, good on Alfred Morris, though. It was, uh, it was a great run. If this is it for Freddie Moe, it was a great run. A yeah, 10 year run. He's, he, he does, he's not really star material. I mean, I thought he was out of the league like two years ago. This is, I was exactly. so confused when I saw him sign with the Giants. Exactly. Yeah, the, the uh, Giants lost so many running backs that year. Yeah, it was just a depth move. I don't, I mean, I would have been okay keeping him as a backup. I don't think he's like awful, but I mean, I don't really trust Saquon to be healthy for a full season. I mean, I, I assume they have other backups. I don't think Wayne Gallman's there anymore. I think he's on a. Yeah, he hasn't been there for a bit, I don't think. Well, I know last year he sat on the football. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was funny. So I know he was on the Giants last year only for I guess that. He was. Oh. I think he's I on the 49ers name. now, maybe. I, I, yeah, I heard his name like yesterday or the day before. Somebody was talking about Goldman. He was my roommate. He was talking about Goldman. And I forgot where he is, though. I think he's in San Francisco with all those other running backs that are going to run for 1,000 yards this year. And get injured. Yep, pretty much. Or he'll be the guy who replaces the other injured people. By the way, the Giants still have... Corey Clement, Super Bowl hero, Corey Clement. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Devontae Booker still hanging around there. Booker? What? Yeah, Devontae Booker still hanging around in the NFL. He was supposed to be something else too, wasn't he? He was for a half minute. Like he replaced, uh, what was the running back's name? He went to Wisconsin. uh, Monty Ball. He replaced Monty Ball with the Broncos. Yeah, I remember Ball. And then... Wasn't he on the Raiders, I think? But, it, yeah, Devontae Booker just kind of hanging around still. Third string running back. Soon to be XFL. But <laughs> he made the team over Freddie Morris, so that's a victory for him. For a 10-year vet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love, the, I love the deep analysis of Corey Clement and uh, Devontae Booker here. Because all I can say about Corey Clement, Super Bowl hero, I think Devontae Booker might have been a Super Bowl hero too, the one that the Broncos won. I think C.J. Anderson no. was the guy who rushed for 100 yards. But yeah, C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson's the guy that like beat the Patriots. I think Manning was still there. Oh, no, it may have been Brock Osweiler that started that game. No, but Peyton like, definitely started the Super Bowl and the playoff. Games. Well, I know that, but like, uh, I remember a big, a big play from uh, CJ Anderson was he did this like crazy lateral, like he did this like crazy shuffle to the left against the on a run play. It was against the Patriots, and then he just like. It looked like he just glided across the field and just cut back to the left and then just made it for a touchdown. It was like a walk-off touchdown against the Patriots. 
back when CJ Anderson was a smooth runner instead of a power runner because right. uh, those knees gave out on him. But it was, I don't remember the play, but I imagine Brock Osweiler started if it was a regular season game because Peyton didn't play most of that season. Yeah, he was so bad that year. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that Peyton Manning is the worst and the best quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl based on his season with the Broncos and his season with the Colts when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, man, you could say, I mean, I felt so bad for him that year. Like, what what happened to Manning after in 15? That was so bad. That was just the end, I guess. Just the body giving out. I guess what happens to every non-Tom Brady quarterback once they hit 38 is just the body gives out on you. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, like, I feel like you would have seen a part of that season before. You didn't really, did you? I don't think so. I mean, I know the year before that was the year they went to the Super Bowl and he had, like, 48 touchdowns or something. 55 touchdown passes. 55 that's right and he broke the he broke the all-time touchdown record that was two years before the terrible super bowl which is 2013 yeah so it it was a quick fall off i mean the same thing happened to drew Brees. drew Brees in 2019 was or what was the year 2018 was the year that they which was the year they lost the nfc championship game that was 2018 with the the blown call 2018 they were like one of the top three offenses in the NFL by leaps and bounds with the Rams and the chiefs. And then by the next season, he broke his thumb and had nothing left in the tank. And then last year, obviously he was playing through like seven different injuries and enough broken ribs to be the equivalent of a car crash, but he's a tough guy. Yeah. But he still sucked. This <laughs> is the problem is that 2019 and 2020 drew Brees was really bad for the saints and 2018. He was awesome. The year that, uh, the year that they won like 13 games and made it to the NFC championship. Hmm. Was that the year he broke his thumb or the year? No, the the broken thumb I think was the year after where they, so they lost the Minnesota miracle. They lost the NFC championship game. The saints had more wins in a four year stretch than any team that never made a super bowl in NFL history is a fun fact for the day. They won 49 regular season games in four years. And they never made the Super Bowl. Yeah, so they, they definitely could have. I mean, they, they were so good. Man. Yeah, so they had Minnesota Miracle. Mm-hmm. Then they had the NFC Championship pass interference game where they, you know, that was the best team the Saints had. The next year was the year they won like 13 games, but because the 49ers and the Packers also won 13 games. They had to play in the wild card and they lost to Kirk Cousins. Uh, and then oh <laughs> the year after that was Tom Brady. So those are the four years. They won 49 regular season games and never made a Super Bowl with some like all time bad losses. Oh my God. You're just thinking back like that, dude. They deserved at least one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't even get a chance to play in one like that reminds me of like my childhood Chargers teams from like 06 to 2010 winning like yeah. 46 games in four years, four division titles and just nope, never made the Super Bowl. That's what that Saints one feels like. And didn't the Chargers have like the number one ranked offense and defense and then never made a Super Bowl? 
Not only that, they missed the playoffs that year to Tim Tebow. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's that so year, bad. They had the number one offense, number one defense, but they were the worst team in the NFL in one possession games because Phillip Rivers just exists to be down five, one minute to go, no timeouts, length of the field. It's where Phillip Rivers lives. It's always down five, one minute yeah. to go, no timeouts. Sometimes he'll win, sometimes he won't, but. It's just where he's going to be. And so, yeah, my tormented childhood as a Chargers Man. fan revolves around losses to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And the one that put the nail in the coffin was Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez, then Tim Tebow. Those the freaking the butt fumble king. Yep. Who made two NFC championship games and him and Joe Flacco are the only quarterbacks to win in Foxborough. Him, Joe Flacco and Ryan Tannehill are the only quarterbacks in the last 10 years to win a playoff game in Foxborough. <laughs> I, nothing makes sense about those guys. No, no. The, the all timer I've done a podcast on this before about how Tom Brady, like the, the people who have beaten Tom Brady in the playoffs are like Nick Foles and Eli Manning, of course. But then it's like Jake Plummer won a playoff game against Tom Brady, Mark Sanchez, Flacco. Like it's so many weird people beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, even though, you know, it's been a what, 10 Super Bowls now? Nine, 10? I think 10. He's now. been to 10 and he's won seven, yeah. which is a ridiculous rate. Think about that. That's a whole decade. Like nothing. It's just stupid. It's a whole decade of the NFL where he's played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then he's still played another ten years on top of that. Yeah, yeah. No, or, let's. let's just... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Tom Brady for you. Yeah, no, the, we don't have to do the Tom Brady podcast. So that's usually for deeper into the off season. August is for talking about. Tim Tebow and Alfred Morris getting cut and rookie quarterbacks. And uh, I guess I'm cool Jimmy with that. I don't like Tom Brady. <laughs> I respect him, but I don't like him. Yeah. They're going to run through that division this year. <laughs> so yep. that's going to be fun. Uh, the Saints are going to. The part I was going to say before is that the Saints should be a team like they don't have the cap space, but they would love Jimmy Garoppolo. They would love to have themselves Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I don't know. I think they'll do fine with Winston. Uh, I don't think that – I definitely don't think that uh, Taysom Hill's the guy. I don't think they should start him or even try to start him because it's not going to go well. I guess. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I don't know what I don't know what to do with that. I don't think it's not even worth starting Taysom Hill. I mean, this is a fun game that we can play all year. Plus – like, like I said, they're kind of built like the Rams where they've got like six stars. It's like Cam Jordan. It's um, obviously Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, which by the way, Alvin Kamara is going to be a beast in fantasy again this year. Uh, at least that's what I, this is coming from a person who picked Michael Thomas over Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry last year. But I think Alvin Kamara is going to be a stud this year if you can get him in your draft. He's definitely a top two, top three fantasy back for sure. Yeah. And then who else do they got? They got Lattimore. He's, you know, he's kind of regressed a bit. Gardner I, Johnson's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. But after that, oh, and the offensive line. They've got the best offensive line in the NFL, for my money at least. Yeah. That was a great pick with Ryan uh, Ramchick. 
Mm-hmm. With the pick they got it? trading for Brandon Cooks or trading away Brandon Cooks. Yeah, who's had like 10 concussions. Yeah, but they got Ramchak and Mac. Is Max Unger? No, he's retired now. They got Cesar Ruiz. Um, who's the who's the left tackle? Is it Armstead? Mm, I don't know. I think it sounds right. I, yeah, have an I, thought it, I thought it was Teron Armstead, but anyways, he's a beast. But again, the team's built on like six stars and not a whole lot else, which I think might get you into the playoffs, but also might not because the NFC's got so many good teams this year. Yeah, so many. You got the Packers, you're going to have the 49ers if they stay healthy, Bucks, um, Seahawks, Rams. Seahawks, Rams, potentially the Vikings in the mix. Cowboys are going to be all right. No, no. No? No. They're going to suck. I think they're good enough to win nine or ten games just because they're they're kind of the same team we've been watching for a half decade now. (laughs) Just good on offense, bad on defense, just good enough to win like eight or nine games. Maybe eight or nine. I I don't think they're going to be a playoff. I mean, even if they make the playoffs, they're not going to be a threat. Well, what do you make of Washington? Because Washington's the team that's kind of the threat in that division. Uh, they don't have a quarterback, in my opinion. What if they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, at best, they're uh, just a playoff team. At best, they're not a threat. They're that's still a victory for them, right? Still a victory, yeah. Their defense is super. I really, I'm a big fan of their defense right now, um, but I just don't see even with Garoppolo, he's just like the game manager type. Um, it's not he's not a superstar, you know. They need a superstar QB to take them to the playoffs or uh, to the Super Bowl. I think. Yeah, the Washington Washington's been kind of weird for a couple of years now because they have what I think they I think they spent like four first round picks on defensive line and they've got I mean I guess they've got some linebackers and obviously they're obviously the defense was ranked in the top like five last year and they snuck into the playoffs but they're just hoping Fitzpatrick is just better than Alex Smith that's like the best they could hope for right now is like the 26th best starting quarterback is better than having a backup basically start the whole season so yeah yeah i mean if it's magic can just be magic and not the other dead part they have a chance yeah the the beauty of fitz magic is that he'll magically bring you back in a game and he'll magically make your chances to win disappear goes both ways 100 percent, 100 percent yeah, and I don't know. I don't know where they're going to end up being, but Washington would be an interesting team to take a dive into because obviously the Giants maybe sneak into the playoffs, but I don't. I think best of circumstances they sneak into the playoffs, and I would say that they're probably in that six win category again. But yeah, they're not a threat. I don't. I don't see I, the Giants doing anything. Kind of boring. Defense, yeah, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones back. is not a uh, he's not a starting quarterback for the NFL. He's just not he's not good. 
I'm willing to give him a chance. He's not, I, I know he's not going to be like a top 20 quarterback or top 15 quarterback. I'm willing to give him a chance in this new season. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll give him no. one, one more try to prove himself. Well, this season, yeah, it's, it's definitely his make or break, but I would have benched him after last year, in my opinion. I mean, I would have at least brought in a replacement. I would have at least, you know, brought in a backup option just in case. But Gettleman's job is tied to Daniel Jones, which I I don't know why Gettleman is still employed, but his, his job is tied to Daniel Jones, per se. Yeah, exactly. I think they're just wasting years of other people's careers on Daniel Jones. Yeah, but I mean, the alternative is to tear it down and start all over again, which, you know, that kind of sucks. But the Giants just trade for a QB or should have they should have drafted a QB. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they could have waited a year. They could have gotten one of the dudes in that 2020 class with Herbert and Tua and well, not Joe Burrow, but they had the four pick that year. They could have gotten one of those guys if they had just waited. Who they, they just drafted that? Josh Allen instead of Saquon Barkley? Yeah, no kidding. Who did they? Who did they pick with that number four? Uh, Andrew Thomas. So the wrong left tackle. <laughs> the yeah, one okay, who so... isn't Mackay Becton or Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills. Yeah, so the guy who's done nothing. Yep. Giants. Giants have just had all bad picks over the past. Even Saquon Barkley was a, technically a bad pick, just because running back doesn't give you that kind of value at number two. He's always so, hurt. Other Barkley's, than that, it's Daniel Jones. Twenty-four-seven. They traded. Uh, they traded up to get what's his name, the guy who got cut, Baker. Um, traded up into the first round to get him. Yeah, the one who had like legal trouble. Yeah. So I think he's on the Chiefs practice squad now, but they had to cut him over an armed robbery situation. Mm-hmm. Then they had who else did they pick? I mean, this year they did well. They traded down and got Kadarius Tony and an extra first rounder. But let's see, twenty eighteen they took Saquon. Twenty nineteen Daniel Jones. I think their twenty seventeen pick was rough too. I forgot who it is now though. Wait, when did they draft Barkley? I thought that was 18. Yeah, Barkley was 18. I forgot who it was the year before that. Oh gosh, I don't know then. I think it was I think it was a bad pick though. I just don't remember who it was. 2017. They also traded Odell, which was actually a really good trade. Um they got Dexter Lawrence and Jabril Peppers for him. So that actually turned out pretty well. Ah, Peppers, yeah. Even though Peppers isn't great. It's still Odell's not great either. <laughs> no. Always injured. Yeah. I mean, Odell's now basically a wide receiver too, so it's okay. Um, let's see. We've got – oh, they took Evan Ingram. That's not terrible. They got Evan Ingram that year. But he he's so bad. He made the Pro Bowl, and he like oh, – I, I don't – I'm not <laughs> Evan Ingram. He's so good in college. Yeah, he was fun. He was fun for a while, but he, yeah, I think he's not a, he's not moving the needle. Uh, he's not moving things in a better way for the Giants, which now I just realized they spent all their first round picks on offensive players. They took a tight end, a running back, a quarterback, and this year a wide receiver and an offensive tackle. 
So they just invested nothing in the defense while also letting James Bradbury walk in free agency. Where's he with now? No, wait, no, he is still there. Wait. Yeah, okay. No, he yeah, is still he's... yeah, he is still there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Did they let oh they let Landon Collins walk, but that wasn't too bad. I was thinking no, of Landon I... Collins. Yeah, he he's hasn't really he used to be good, like super good. He was like the number one linebacker, wasn't he? Yeah. You no, like, he was awesome. He was one of those original hybrid linebacker safety guys like Terry and Matthew and uh Jamal uh, Jamal Adams. Yeah. And then he hasn't really like done much since then. Since no, that like twenty what, twenty sixteen, seventeen year where he was like a standout. Yeah. And then the Giants stunk and they let him walk in for agency and he got a giant contract with Washington that has not worked out well for Washington, but he'll be no. back this year. Last year, I think he tore his Achilles in preseason, so he'll be back this year. Yeah, I remember Washington drafted uh, Cameron Curl. He's a yeah, Razorback. He's and I he's was like, really good. I was like, dude, when he got drafted, I was like, you go ball out, man, because I watched him, you know, every game at Arkansas. I knew the potential <laughs> he had. It all it always comes back to the Razorback fandom. Always I'm a finds big, its way back. Big Razorback fan. Yes, your your sad team that ends up winning what <laughs> every now and then they get a win, but two uh, games. Yep, yep. So it's a lot of five and seven seasons. Always comes back to the Razorback fandom. Hey, I'm excited. We've we've got some good things coming for the Razorbacks. All right. All right. I'll we'll wait and see with the <laughs> fat guy who's my coach, whose name I forgot right now, but he looks Damn funny. Fit, he looks like Arkansas. That guy looks like Arkansas. You bet he does. Whoop I forgot. Pig. What's what's his name? I don't remember his name. Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman. Yes, he looks. Yep. Go Google Sam Pittman for people who are listening to this podcast. This man looks like Arkansas coach. Woo pig. You bet he looks like an <laughs> Arkansas coach. Uh, he was a uh, so interesting fact. Sam Pittman was our offensive line coach when Arkansas actually had the biggest offensive line in all of football. That included the NFL. Dang. I did yeah, not that know was, that. That was when we had Frank Ragno, um, Dan Skipper. Uh, we had a couple other guys as well who are in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, we were the biggest offensive line in all of football. That included the NFL. <laughs> Yes, they're doing something right in Arkansas so they can get giant offensive linemen to protect all of the Allen brothers. Oh, we're out. We ran out of Allen brothers. Oh, you're you're done with the Allens? I you, think so, yeah. You guys ran out of Allen brothers. Isn't it Felipe Franks now? Is he still there? Uh, he's with the Falcons, but he oh. was there. Oh, well, I, I just knew he, he left Florida, and I saw him in one of the games. I was like, wait a minute, Felipe Franks is still in college football? Jesus. And then, Yeah, yeah, he's with the Falcons. Hmm. Hanging out Look behind there. A.J. McCarron. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just yeah. hanging on. Just hanging on. I don't think – from what I heard, A.J. McCarron did not have a good preseason game. Though. Yeah, but – the Falcons have kind of been for years just a team that's like, we don't really need to invest in the backup quarterback because Matt Ryan never gets hurt. But now Matt Ryan's not as good as he what used to be. I think Matt Schaub was their backup for like five years or something. Schaub, yeah, he finally retired. Yeah. And then they got the basically equivalent of Matt Schaub, which is just A.J. McCarron. 
Yeah, basically. I remember AJ McCarron was supposed to be like a good starter for the Bills and then never never panned out. Yeah, and then he went to the Bengals and almost went to the Browns and then was on he was the with, Texans. He was with the, uh, the Bengals first, I think. Yeah, I, he started a playoff game uh, that they almost won because Andy Dalton got hurt. Um, but that was the pinnacle of his career. And then getting traded to the Browns and then not getting traded to the Browns because the Browns did something stupid. Or the Bengals did something stupid. Yeah, that sums it up. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, thanks for stopping in for like an hour today. I appreciate it. And uh, make sure to check out Pfeiffer Football so you can get all of your updates whenever Tim Tebow gets cut. Instead, you can just check out here 24 hours later. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel as well called Fight for Football. Try to post daily on there. Um, sorry, I wasn't on the video chat. I've been getting around as well because I have an appointment soon. So and that's okay. It's all back. audio, anyways. The video yeah, is important. True that. True that. Well, I really appreciate you, Kyle. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, again, formerly NFL broadcaster, we were still yes. waiting. Huh. Yes, I was formerly NFL broadcaster. Yes, though so this is this is not some new rando. This is our friend of the show, Tanner Pfeiffer, who you can check out on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube because he is he really made. good. And he's our newsbreaker. We have a friend who's a newsbreaker, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Not- what is up, everybody? This is Kyle, and I wanted to remind you guys one more time about the WFT on the daily giveaway contest right now. If you click the link in the description to this episode and find our man WFT on the daily on Instagram, you can enter to win a Washington football team giveaway prize pack. And what's in this prize pack? Well, let me tell you, you've got a WFT on the daily t-shirt. You've got a Washington football team bracelet and my personal favorite, a Chase Young rookie card available right now. All you got to do, follow my man WFT on the daily, find his recent post and enter that giveaway. Still three more days to enter. The contest runs through Friday. If you're listening after Friday, I apologize. But you should still follow WFT on the daily regardless for all the great Washington football team content that you can get on Instagram. Fan or not, it is a great place to stay up to date. And you can win some cool stuff. So make sure to use the link in the description and check that out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.